0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Movedus Talks. On this episode, I talk to Sharon Nkotaria about staff networks, also known as employee resource groups. We talk about the impact networks can have on a business and how companies can best support them to produce the results that benefit both the underrepresented groups that they serve and the companies within which they operate. Finally, we talk celebration, With the National Day for Staff Networks fast approaching on the 12th of May, Sharon tells us why she created the event and how you can get involved. So, get comfortable and let's talk. Sharon is a former civil servant and has undertaken leadership roles in various policy and strategic positions across Whitehall. In 2012, Sharon took a leap of faith and left the civil service to follow her passion, which is staff networks. After publishing her book, The Incredible Power of Staff Networks, Sharon founded the Power of Staff Networks Consultancy and later went on to set up the National Day for Staff Networks, which is the first of its kind celebrating the added value of networks. In 2011, Sharon received an MBE for her services to HM government and also for her work in faith community with young people. Welcome, Sharon Inkotaria, MBE. (laughs) How are I'm you doing? very
1: well. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today.
0: I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to, to talk about your passion, mm-hmm. uh, which is a passion of mine also. But first, tell me a bit about Sharon. Who is Sharon Inkotaria MBE?
1: Uh, Sharon Inkotaria MBE. It's very strange speaking about myself in the third person. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so, as you said, I'm, I run my own consultancy. But before that, I used to work in the civil service in the UK. Um, and I started in there as a, as a teenager and I really only took the job in the service to get my mum off my case because um, she <laughs> wanted me to get a proper job um, yeah, <laughs> because I was working in retail at the time, which I loved, but she didn't see that as a proper job. Um, so uh, I applied to work in the in the service and, um, uh, you know, I, I, got, I got in and I was like the first person in my family to work in the UK civil service. And so it was a big deal, um, you know, it was a real big deal for family here and family abroad and and all that kind of, even though I was a very junior, I started at the lowest grade, it didn't matter. As far as my mum was concerned, I was like permanent secretary. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I, I worked there and I I I did fall in love with my employer. I did. I fell in love with the civil yeah. service and you get exposed to so many different things Um uh yep. that you wouldn't do ordinarily um and while I was there I studied while I was in the service I got married very young while I was in the service so there's lots of things happening that are associated to my time working there um but there did come a point when I I thought um the love affair uh was was growing old and <laughs> right. and um you know my my value wasn't being appreciated and uh I made the decision to to leave home, shall we say, and, and cut the yeah. ties and see what else is out there. Um, so that's yeah. that's a bit about my my journey. Within all of that, I studied, um, you know, t- studied HR. So I was a HR manager for a number of years. Um, okay. I worked for Lord Prescott for a while. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I had some great roles. I cannot complain, but it was a struggle trying to get t- trying to progress my career. And partly that's to me, down to me. I have to own that. Um, but a lot of it was yeah. down to the systems in place uh, for people who look yeah, like I, me. I yeah,
0: Yeah. As a, as a former civil servant myself, I completely understand um, the limitations. And that's partly why mm. I exited myself. But going back to what you were saying, you, you did a number of different roles in the civil service. Um, and you focused in HR for some, for some time. And you had a varied career, which you enjoyed. So what made you narrow down when you left the civil service? What made you narrow down a niche into staff networks? Well, staff it's
1: did. a strange thing. When I first heard of this phrase, staff networks, I thought it was a joke because this is how it was presented to me. I was working as a HR manager in the, in an agency, which, which had headquarters not based in London. Okay. And so yeah. that gives you a whole different um, perspective when you have to go outside London to the HQ so how they think is completely different so they approached me and said oh we want you to start a staff network and I was like what <laughs> what is that is that not the workforce um, and 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 the head of diversity at the time said well um or head of equality at the time said well what it is it's where you know, underrepresented groups can come together and share any concerns. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what they do with HR. And she was like, no, this is specifically for pertinent groups, like for black and Asian staff or for women or whatever. I was like, okay, so you want me to lead that? And she said, yes. I said, okay, that sounds interesting. So who's going to do my job when I'm doing that? And she was like, well, no, you, you'd have to do that in addition. I was like, <laughs> I did laugh because I thought, you're having, a, you're having a joke, right? I said, oh, okay, then. Yeah. So is it supplemented financially? Do I get, you know, something else? And she's like, well, no. I said, so hold on a second. You want me, head of HR, in addition to all my other priorities, to take on an additional role for no extra money? I chuckled away. Anyway, she, she, you know, um, she said to me, you know, this is the benefits, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, let me give this a go. And that was my first taste of networks. And I would say, so where's the manual? Where's the book? How do we know that we're doing this right? We can't just be messing around with people's feelings and lives and do you know what I mean? I was constantly looking for some guidance and there wasn't anything at all. Um, but right. we learned some things. We did some great things. We we really started to get the dialogue going. So that was my first taste. And then from that moment, uh, every so often I would dip into a network and, you know, work with them and so on. But to answer your question specifically, it was my last stint um, working in a network. That really helped me understand the beauty of a network um, okay. and And I told you as i I sat in a room and i 've written this in my books, so i won 't go into it too much, but I sat in this room where there was a network meeting, and they were they were talking about the plans for the year, and they were just talking about all these parties like food things they were doing. You know, they're going to have this event and that event. And I'm like, whoa, we're about to go for a major, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, a major overhaul in the organization. They're looking to cuts. And you're telling me that all you're doing is organizing events around food? I got so annoyed um, that I thought we've got to do something. And, you know, I got involved in the network. And here's what I realized. When people are so... I don't want to use the word downtrodden because that makes it sound much more heavier than it is but when people are afraid shall we say or they limit themselves because of what what they've been told they start to lose confidence and I really wanted yeah. the network to show we can be analytical we can be strategic we can be we can be bold without being told that we're being aggressive we can do all of these things so I really wanted to show what we as a group can do. And when I say we, I'm talking about it was a black net it was a network for black staff, and Asian staff. So I really wanted to yeah. turn the dial around what people have said about our group in the organization. Um, yeah. and I faced battles from people externally, so people ex outside the network, but I faced the same amount of battles from people inside. Because people were afraid yeah. and they were saying oh, Sharon, don't go too far. We don't want to rock the boat. And I'm like, what, you, what are you talking about? The boat is rocking. It's got holes yeah. in it. We are sinking. If we're not careful, we're all going to drown. You know, so we need to make sure that we know how to swim. We know how to save ourselves. We know how to put ourselves forward. Um, so from that, from that uh, experience, I sat back and I thought, something magical happened here. How do I capture this? How do I help others understand that there is a power in when people come together, when they are focused, when they are clear about their purpose? How do I capture that? And then my circle, my sister circle at the time said to me, do you remember that book that you were always looking for? And I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it out? And they say, no, it's not out. Go and write it. Yeah, go (laughs) and write that book you were looking for. And so that's sorry, that was a very long answer to say, I wish I could say I just rocked up and I was passionate about it. If anything, I wasn't passionate about it. But as I learned more about what networks can do, that's what ignited my passion even more.
0: Yeah. And and I, I, I for one, appreciate the work that you've done, because I, in my career, have joined many staff networks and left many because they felt like groups where we'd either share our trauma and our sorrow. Or we would arrange parties or we would sit and, and, and moan about the establishment that we worked in. And when I say we, I'm talking about Black staff networks, gender staff networks, serving mm-hmm. members of many mm-hmm. different staff networks that kind of meet my personal needs uh, and the various intersections that are me, right? So I joined many networks and left many because I just felt like there was, there was no point to them. Because for me, I, I have my own tribe outside of work where I can talk about how bad work is, how bad life is for black people, how great life is for black people and celebrate. I can do all of those things outside of work. I was looking for that something new and that something extra that would help me to contribute yeah. to the organization in a way that served me yeah. and people that look like me. So I, I certainly appreciate the work that you've done to, to, to for lack of a better expression, mm, to professionalize exactly. networks. Um, so with that said, um, what would you say makes a great staff network and I know within your book and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote um, a, 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 a section of your book where you talk about that staff networks and the variety of roles that they're playing you say they drive change across organizations they simply unite individuals with common interests and they focus on how to commercially impact the business so there's some that do all of those things and some that do a few of those things so in your view what makes a great staff network and what, sh- what kinds of things should they be doing? Yeah, well? great
1: question. Um, and and the thing is, I'm always reluctant to say this. So I'm going to give a, a whole range of ingredients. Okay. And I'm not saying that you need yeah. to have all of these, um, but I understand that people are at different stages of where they are in their network and different organisations and different sectors and so on. So for me, number one, um, you know, uh, what makes a great staff network is one that's very, clear about why, why it exists, um, yeah. why, why it exists in the sense of here's the evidence to say if you're from this particular group, this is the experience you're more likely to have in this organisation and, and here's what we want to do to try and help change some of that. So they've got their evidence, and they're very clear about why they exist and they're very clear about where they want to get to as well and how it will benefit the organisation. Yeah. So a lot of the time you find networks will come together and they do exactly what you said just now, they'll come together and you have a room full of people and they'll have a bit of a, you know, trauma Olympics, as you say, or oppression Olympics, um, where they, you know, compare each other's trauma. But then it, it's, it, and while that could be quite cathartic, it's not sustainable. Because people who are really serious yeah. will get tired of that. And they'll want to know, well, what, what's, what, what yeah. are we doing here? Um, because we're still in a work environment, right? And in a work environment, you're focused, you've got KPIs, you've got objectives. And so I don't think any of that should be lost just because you're in a staff network. You should still have an objective. Yeah. So, so networks are very focused on that. And I, I guess for me, it's, they're also very clear about, you know, who, who, how, who their stakeholders are and how those stakeholders can help them in their goal you know because it's not just for the network right. to, to deal with this thing you know they can articulate the lived experience and they're probably facing it the most however there's something about understanding how to bring others on board um how to ensure that mm-hmm. what you're doing in in the network is actually necessary for the organization to achieve its objectives on diversity and inclusion um and so many other uh, things as well so what I'd like, I, I want networks to move out of the space where they just see this, see themselves as this small thing over here on the periphery, but see themselves more of a core component yeah. of the organisation, articulating some things um, that the organisation is oblivious to. Um, so yes. it, it, I don't want to say here's here's a five point plan to a great network. That doesn't work. It's not, I don't think that's helpful. What I do think is useful is you're clear about who you are, why you exist, what you want to achieve, how it's going to impact the organization, how it's going to impact on clients, how it's going to benefit members and the wider organization. You've clearly thought all of that through and then you begin to execute. Um, So so if you're listening to this and you're a member of a network or you're leading a network and ask yourself this question every time you want to do something, how does this help us achieve our goal? Because then that will stop you just organizing events for the sake of it, or when you do organize events, you organize yeah. them with a focus. So you
0: know, yeah. And and so with that in mind, would you say? Because I always recommend this to, to to networks that I work with. Would you say that every network should have oh, their own strategies?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. otherwise, so for me, uh, you know, as I said to you before, when when this this DNI person wanted me to lead a net to lead a network in addition to my own priorities I had to really start to carve out my time and, and so when you're meeting yeah. if you don't have a lot of time if you know if time is a precious commodity when you do meet you need to be clear about why you're meeting and, and make the most of that and the strategy will help you the strategy is your compass to guide you to where you want to get to so without that, I, I'm always a bit concerned when people say to me, well, they don't have a strategy or they don't have a work plan. I'm like, well, when you get together, then what are you doing? And, and how do you know that it's actually making yeah. a, benefit, a benefit or an impact? So I'm always a little bit like alarm exactly. bells go off for me when people say, well, we don't have a strategy. And I'm like, hmm. Um, so, yeah, have a strategy and, and show how that strategy aligns with the organization. I cannot emphasize that enough. There's something around understanding the importance of alignment because that's where your leverage is. Yeah. You know, if you can understand, if you can show, yeah. Hey organization, this is what we're doing over here. Let's come together. Let's collaborate because we can help you with this. So I'm not saying that networks can, should be solving all the problems, fixing problems but they can certainly shine a light on what some of those things are. And, and, and then the organization yeah. can take it forward because they've got the resources and the capacity and it's their job.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. So, cause I like to say to all to, to network groups, you should always be striving to be seen as just strategic partners to a business, as opposed to um, something that's on the side and, and, and a separate that's right. organization, a separate entity. But, to that end, um, what would you say then to, to networks and network leads who feel that there's a um, a bit of a um, a bit of a divide in terms of what their purpose should be? Because a lot of network leads feel like the network should be for its members, and we need to make sure that we're catering to them and what their needs are. So, how do we align that with them being strategic partners? Because surely, we will then be seen. In the same vein as hr because we're working for the organization so how do you advise them to to kind of bridge that gap so that they can they're serving their members but they're also aligned? yeah with gr- the
1: that's another good question and i firstly i would say well you're all working for the same employer right so let's be clear um mm-hmm. I, there's something around understanding you know uh y- you you for you to understand how to support members you know you need to understand what their needs are and so on um, but you cannot support members in isolation. You cannot do it yourself. You will need to really reach out to people across the organisation to help you achieve some of those things. So, for example, if if you find that there's a lack of, you know, uh, you know, people in your in your network aren't getting that promotion, they're not doing well when it comes to recruitment panels, for example, <laughs> it could be that the network can support members by organising mock panels you know mock interviews you know some of those job support type of things but then there's something else that's going on it could be that the organization may need to revisit its policies or its practices on how it does recruitment so so for you to be able to support your members you need to work with hr dni corporate people in order to start to adjust those things so that when you when they are ready to go for that promotion those procedures have been altered so that, that it, it makes it easier. So you you have to reach out. You have to do you have to do the work with, with your with your um, with your stakeholders and your and your partners. I, I don't yes. think one cancels out the other. You know, it doesn't mean that by working with HR or working with DNI that you've stopped supporting or representing your members. I don't I don't know where who else has that logic you know, the, the, that logic doesn't exist anywhere yeah. else. It's, it's really about understanding how best to do that and how you communicate that to members. Yeah. Because if people still think that your network should be this closed exclusive group, I don't think that's helpful. You know, there's a difference between creating a space where people can feel psychologically safe. And there's a difference between being so exclusive that no one else can come in and, and, and share. Just what I mean. So, I think we need to find that balance yeah. um, and communicate that so people know um, and, and they're clear. And,
0: and I like that, but, but elaborate on that a little bit because there are. Um, I've, I've constantly had a conversation with, with various network groups um, across the different intersections and the different protected characteristics about this, and a lot of them are adamant that if I'm a, if I'm a a, a a women's network, I don't want men to join. If I'm a black network, I don't want uh, white people to join. If I'm an LGBTQ plus network, we don't want heterosexual people to join. Talk a bit about that. and, and, and what Okay. So are. I think I'm always a little
1: bit skeptical about that approach because I find you don't know, you don't know what anyone's going through, what anyone's experience is. So say for example, if I'm, if I'm, um, if I'm a white member of staff and there's a, uh, a, a, black, a network for black and Asian staff, I may want to join that because my son or my daughter may be oh, may, may, may be black or Asian. And, and it could be that I want to yes. make sure that I'm doing my yes. best to help create a, a workforce that's going to make life easier for them. So to just cut people off simply because you don't think they fit into your demographic, I think is dangerous. And it also gets, it goes against the inclusion yes. policies of the organisation because I'm assuming that most organizations have some form of diversity and inclusion. Um, and, and, you know, we have to be careful that we're not perpetuating behaviors that the network exists to come, to counter in the first place. So we need to be really, exactly. really careful with that. And again, there's something around being clear about, listen, um, most of our members, some of our members, for, say for example, if it's the LGBTQ, some of our members aren't out. So we don't disclose we don't we don't um talk about anybody for that very reason so there's there's a code of conduct that you can introduce to keep members safe or you know keep them feeling safe, but also give allies or those who aren't you know who you think you know your your obvious target group the opportunity to participate as well so i I'm you know you yeah. can't have if you've got a gender, most most women's network are moving into gender um, because they understand the importance yes. of male allies. They understand the importance of, um, you know, it's the cis gender is is a is one aspect, but there's also different types. You know, what about people who are gender fluid? What about so we've got to think about we've got to move with the times. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, we
0: have to be we have well, to be There you go. What we there you go. So
1: continue, I think we need to right? be mindful so, that yeah yeah, we're not perpetuating those behaviours <laughs> that we, we, we accuse the organisation of yes. doing um, in the first place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so well, we've talked a bit about the networks now, so I want to move on a little bit and ask about the companies that the networks are part of. How do you think that companies can best show... Their support and show they value their staff. Oh my goodness! How long have we
1: got? Okay, (laughs) so (laughs)
0: here's here's the
1: challenge. So you, if you get someone who's senior, you know the chief exec, perm set, vice chancellor, whoever the top of the organisation is, and they could say, "Yes, we think our networks are great, and they've got a piece about them on the website, and it's wonderful." However. There's usually, as you know, Maval, there's a there's a gap between the rhetoric and the reality. And I think when an organization truly understands the value and appreciates the value of its of its its employee networks, and there's some things that they put in place, number one, um, they they make sure that those leading the network um, have the time to do so. Yeah, they have the capacity to do so. And and there's also something around that they're making sure that the organization has the right environment for the network to not just survive, but to thrive. So that means just knocking some things out of the way so that, you know, you don't have to jump through several hoops just to get a purchase order number or just to get a cost code or just to get a, a meeting room booked. You know, they can just make it a lot easier for those things to happen. Um, because a lot you can spend a lot of time chasing emails, you know, just to get this one thing. And, it's, it's, you know, that can spend a lot of time. So there's something around making the road easy for, for the networks. There's also something around investing in those leading it. Um, so often I see people who are yes. quite, for example, they're quite junior in their day job, in inverted commas, but yet they're leading a network that could be about three or four hundred people having meetings with the CEO or the most senior yeah. board members. Um, and then when they leave that role, they just go back to their junior role. So on the one hand, you're saying we value you as a leader of a network, but not enough to make sure that that's the experience and, and, and the knowledge that you've gleaned and so on that, that helps you in your career going forward. Because if I'm a leader of a network, then I'm a leader. So why aren't you investing in me as a leader in the organization beyond my tenure? So there's something around creating, utilizing that role to really bolster skills or profiles that's going to help them beyond the tenure of the, of the network. And I think that's, that's something we need to move towards. I think that's something we really need to grasp. And then, and then, when, a network, when an organisation really does value its network and I, I could, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for the sharp intake of breath, it could be that they pay <laughs> leaders for the role.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're definitely going to get that from me. I've not, well, I've not seen that yet. I have to say, an yeah. organisation that I most recently worked at, they came close in that what they did was allow um network leads and only the leads unfortunately to have an allotted amount of time per week to work on their network duties and that so they didn't have to do it at the side yeah. of their desk which i thought was awesome but you know not quite there yet in terms of pace well, so i'm still going to do a i did hear
1: i did pay. read an article that a certain um organization uh that rhymes with Mitter um is looking at how they can uh remunerate those who lead their employee resource groups. And I thought, wow, this is what I'm talking about. Um, So, yeah, those are some of the things that, you know, um, organisations can do. And here's something really, really easy. Take your networks seriously. Take them seriously.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Listen to what they've got to say. Listen to them as if, you know, they, they are your most um, important critical friend that you have around your table. Um, and don't be afraid to provide a little bit of challenge either. Um, so, you know what I mean? Because that's mm-hmm. when the, the relationship is really strong. So that's what I would say. Yeah.
0: That's where the good there ideas go. come from, when you there have you that go. healthy dialogue back and forth. So in your, in your book, um, just on, the same, on this line of taking them seriously and, and valuing them, in your book, you talk about staff network champions. Can you say a little bit about that? About yeah, the role of so a
1: champion or an executive sponsor, um, as they're sometimes called, is someone who's a heavyweight in the organisation. So they're quite senior. And they're usually um, on your senior leadership team or your board. And they are someone who champions a particular network, for example. Um, sometimes what I've come across is the champion really doesn't know what they're what they're doing (laughs) they've just been told that hey we're -hmm. all going to have this role you're going to be the the champion of the of this network of disability network or whatever the case may be so here's my here's my thing When, when it comes to a champion think about what type of champion or sponsor that you want to be Um, and, and by that, I mean, do you want to be the evangelist? Do you want to be the broker? Do you want to be the strategic friend? Do you want to, do you want to be the mentor? So there's different ways you can be a sponsor to a network. And for you to really understand that, that's about having a conversation with those leading the network. Um, the second thing I would say is, you know, be really clear about how you can best support what the network is trying to do. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean turning up at every yeah. single meeting. Um, it but it does mean, you know, turning up at those meetings assigned with the leader and, and being prepared to think about what you can do to really help make life easier for that network. The third thing is be prepared to have your knowledge yeah. populated. Yes? Because while you may be senior and knowledgeable in the role, you know, in the organization, when it comes to the lived experiences of a particular group, that may not you may you may have to be vulnerable uh, and show that you don't know as much and be prepared to listen and to learn um in that role. And that can be quite tough for some senior leaders. Um, yes. So that's why I'm saying it's important for them to be ready to do that and to be really and to think about those opportunities where you can promote and talk about the great things the network is doing, not because you're their champion, but because how they are helping the organization achieve its goals on inclusion so the the, the role of a champion is a is a serious yeah. one and and i've and you know uh, we i've got a job description a role description for champions because i do think they need to be clear about what 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 what's expected of them um you know i interviewed my champion <laughs> i giggle even as i as i say it and i well let let me tell you let me explain explain why the the person came in I'm not going to say who it is but the person came in and we do what we always do when a new member of the board comes to the organization we welcome them we write to them we say this is who we are and so on and so this we had a meeting with this this new person and and my co-chair at the time was very eager and said well we'd love it if you could be our champion. I was like, "Well, hold on a second, hold on. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, wait. Ooh, <laughs> put the brakes on, because we had worked so hard to get the network to a, a status where it was becoming quite respected, and I could immediately see the benefits for the yes. champion. But I wanted to be clear about, okay, so what you're going to do for us? Let's get, the, let's get the quid pro quo sorted now yeah. um, type of thing. Um, so hence, that's why I said I, I interviewed. And, yeah. and it turned out he, he was a, a fantastic champion. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I would agree that, that that should be done because I've come across many champions. And I, I use the term loosely, I put it in inverted commas for some people because I've known champions who, when I've gone to them, to do some work to celebrate the networks and said you know tell me about your 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 leads so you can kind of record a lovely message for them I've had um champions say oh who are my leads again which kind mm-hmm. of makes me think okay mm-hmm. how involved are you if you don't know who your leads are and so there will be people who sign up because they've been told to sign up to be champions or there are people who sign up because they, they can get something out of it but they don't necessarily want to do something that's going to help that particular network so I I'm with you on on interviewing <laughs> or at least carefully considering who the right... Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not working,
1: then let's have a conversation. This isn't working. Uh, Is it time to move on? Or maybe you you can have more than one champion. (laughs) Let's be clear. You can have more than one champion. Um, You can have your official one, (laughs) and then you can have the unofficial one. Um, So, yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So I'm going to
0: just... I'll ask you a bit about your book because I've I've quoted some stuff out of the book and we've talked about it. What, in a nutshell, what is your book about for those who want to get it? I I, I will start by saying your book is awesome. Awesome, and I think that every staff network should have a copy of it because it's a it's a blueprint. It gives them ideas. It gives them ideas of how to not just run the network but how to communicate with the organisation so that they're able to be that strategic partner. And be seen as effective. So for me, oh, I think, it's the I think well, but you just summed you it up about?
1: for me, really. Um, it, I tell you, the book is the as you <laughs> as I've mentioned before. This is the book that I was looking for, and I and I want uh, anyone who's involved or interested mm-hmm. in starting a, ne- a network to see it as almost like a handbook, as a guide um, that walks you through from beginning to the end. Um, and and I, I, it was written in such a way that you know if there's one particular area that you're struggling with you could go to that chapter and that would help you um so i wanted it to be like a reference yeah. book as well as a as a guide um so that's how i want you to see it it's a, almost like a, almost a one-stop shop as it were for anything you need to know um about certainly starting entering into this this wonderful world we call employee networks or employee resource groups or diversity groups, whatever you want to call them. This is about helping you understand how to be, um, how to find your power and what that power looks like and what it feels like when you're actually wielding it in in the, in the appropriate way. So yeah, I would say a handbook for, for people involved in networks.
0: Excellent. Okay. Um, And so we're going to kind of start wrapping up, but what I want to ask you about though, because I couldn't, leave and not ask you about it is the national day for staff networks you um, you created that to celebrate networks can you tell us a bit about about that why you started it what it is and okay importantly, so why did
1: is. i start it now i don't know about you know you mavel or anyone listening but i get some i get great ideas when i'm doing the most mundane things so I think um I was like mopping my kitchen <laughs> yeah. floor or something. And I had the radio in the background and I'm sure I heard something like it was national cupcake day or some ridiculous thing. And that really got me thinking, I said, so we've got this day, we've got that, but we don't have nothing, nothing celebrating networks. Do you see me? And I I got on the internet, I yeah. was Googling, I, I, you know, you know, on Google when you've got like 15 pages Right. And we all need to just usually go to the first couple. Right. I went to all 15 because I wanted to just find out whether something like this existed, because I'm not I'm not one for reinventing the wheel, Uh, but I could find nothing. And so I thought, I think this is a runner. I do. But I always like to sound different people out and so I went to a couple of people. And I said, yes. you know, I'm thinking of starting a National Day for Staff Networks. And they're like, oh, my goodness, that is such a good idea. How is it we don't have one? And then you had other people that were more sceptical that said, really? You, really? Don't, don't we already have this? And don't we already have that? And we've already <laughs> got all these other diversity days. Um, I don't think it's a runner. And that kind of – I did think about that. And I'm thinking, nah, you're wrong. It is a runner. Well, anyway and so um, I didn't just want it to be a day where it's just yay Um, there is an element of that but I wanted it to be something that you know where organizations just pauses and say you know what networks and network leaders thank you thank you we know that sometimes you feel it's a lost cause but you know without you we, we wouldn't be as far along our journey or you know what I mean? So I just wanted something that's going to help people just to stop yeah. and say thank you to their networks. But I also wanted to, to give um, a spotlight on networks as well for them to inspire others with their stories um, um, and, and to really yes. help people understand why the network is important to them. But then I wanted, to, I, then I wanted another element that helps transform that, that, the dialogue around inclusion, because networks are a crucial component to help that happen. So it was celebration, inspire, celebrate, yes. inspire and transform. Those were the columns behind the day. And when we do that with networks, if you think about what networks are doing, they are making work better. And so that became the overarching strap line for, for us. So that's how it all started. And we launched in 2017. That was the first day, the first time we had it in May 2017. And it doesn't take place on the same day every year because it takes place on the second Wednesday in May. So that's a moving date. And, I, and the right. reason why I wanted that is because the danger with having the fixed date is sometimes national day takes place at the weekend. And I didn't, and I didn't want that. I didn't, right. I, I felt it needed a mid week date for it just to keep on with the, you know, yes. to keep up with um Uh, the focus so this year this year it's on Wednesday the 12th of May and we're excited because it will be the fifth time that we're celebrating um, Networks Day in the UK and we're really fortunate to have um, some wonderful sponsors Bank of America um, uh, has sponsored us last year and they're sponsoring us again this year because they really see the value of, of a network stay and they're going to try and join us as well and um, getting all their offices across the us to join us on that day which will be wonderful because um, then we can call it an international uh, erg day as they call it um,
0: yes so you see you prompted my next question well, yeah, there, there there are plans, are. i mean i did try and speak
1: out reach out to the um uh the uk ambassador to the united nations to see if they could get get it introduced into the UN. Um, But apparently the UK does not um, sponsor days. They don't do things in that way. So um, I'm trying a different route, an alternative route, to see if we can get it as recognised as one of those UN days. Um, But for the time being, we'll just carry on working with colleagues across the globe um, and and getting them to, to celebrate. It'd be great to have people from you know, Australia involved because then while we're shutting down or, you know, while they're shutting down, we're just getting started. So then it will be truly a 24/7 type of uh, day. But yeah, that's really what's about this year. The theme for this year is togetherness. Uh, So every year has a sub theme. Last year was adding value. Mm -hmm. This year is togetherness. And if you think about what's happened over the last (laughs) 12 months or so, um, we just yes. felt that that was uh uh an appropriate and apt theme uh, so yeah, so when I say we by the way um was yes. supp- the national day is supported by a campaign team um which is myself uh and and five other directors, and we became a commercial a community interest company last year, so we're formerly a social enterprise, which is great because everything we do goes back into supporting. Uh, networks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Excellent. And so how how can companies kind of get involved in the day? What well, kind of uh, last year,
1: um, y- you know, it was a kind of different kind of day because of of COVID. So we, we did everything virtually. Um, but before yes. then, and I'm hoping in the future, what usually happens is networks in the, in the organizations come together and they organize uh, either a market stall type of event or they do conferences or they do workshops and um, they put together videos last year, which I thought was great. We even had a little bit of a, um, I don't know what you call it, when two people are battling out through poetry. Um, yeah. So one guy did a little rap oh. and then he, he did a, he dropped the gauntlet, you know, he threw down the gauntlet to somebody and they responded with their own poem. So I loved that. I loved how people just use their creative skills to get involved. Um, but yeah, so conferences, virtual conferences, um uh, videos you know people are really being different um, uh, last year and I hope that continues I know for example Network Rail are having a webinar for all their networks and I think Amazon are looking to do some things with with their networks and of course uh, Bank of America will be will be joining us by doing some form of uh, activity as well so yeah I think the beauty of the virtual world has has made people think differently about what they can do which is really exciting so yeah i lo- that yes. th- so they can just go to the website there's lots of ideas there www.networksday.co.uk uh, and they can download our social media banners and tips for organizing events and so on lots of things on there yeah
0: excellent Well, thank you for that. So I'm going to ask you one final question, um, which is, so staff networks are your passion. Um, What are your top three things that you think any network should be doing um, to make themselves be a strategic partner across an organisation? And what is the one thing that you think an organisation should do to support wow
1: two brilliant questions
0: so i would say for
1: the network um i think you need networks should be um they should be proactive um they should definitely be collaborative um and i think they should be compassionate organizations the one thing organizations can do is to invest whether that's investing in time, money, energy, whatever the case may be, invest in your networks. What does that mean to you? That's for you to answer, but invest. Because when you invest, you're going to reap the dividends of that investment in some way. And that can only be a good thing for your organization.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm, so I'm gonna leave it <laughs> okay. there, but I, I actually can't. I've got one more question. So which is literally just um, what next for you and, and, and the power of staff networks? Any plans to I don't know, do yeah, the association I mean, that, of staff it's networks? It's interesting what you next?
1: say that because we were, you know, I have been thinking about, you know, what, what do I want to do with, with the power of staff networks and, and as an organization we have grown. So most people know us for for networks, but that is now only 70% of what we do. Uh, We've actually moved into a space where we're doing things around race inclusion. The coaching side of what I do has grown as well. Uh, Reverse mentoring is an increasing area uh, that that's come through. Uh, I think for me, uh, I think while inclusion on, on its, you know, as a wide spectrum is important, there's something around helping organizations become race confident um, and so I've been doing a lot of work in that space, yep. um, facilitating some of those difficult conversations, those uncomfortable ones. Um, so I'm going to be building more and more on that. So um, uh, that's that's certainly the next phase. Um, the other thing that I'd like to do, and it's connected with the National Day, is to do a, uh, a national survey of, of all networks in the UK, every single network in the UK. And just to demonstrate okay. how these people, these wonderful people, who give up their time and energy every year, how you know how they contribute to uh, the UK uh, businesses and organisations. So those are some of the, the two things that I'm I'm really excited about.
0: Yeah. Excellent! It all sounds very exciting, and and I for one am really kind of proud oh, thank and you. thankful for all that you've done over the years um, to move networks to a place where they are uh, seen and heard and valued um as part of the business as an essential part of the business really so thank you for that um so just before we finish how can people get hold of you if they want to either speak to you or you know avail themselves of your services okay and how can so get, to uh, get, to to get
1: in contact with me and to get a copy of my book you can go to the same place which is the website www.thepowerofstaffnetworks.co.uk um yeah you can buy the book straight from there it's also on amazon um and my email contacts uh, are there as well but you can also follow me on twitter at posnetworks and I'm also on the gram at POSGram.
0: <laughs> excellent.
1: Likewise. Okay. Well, it been
0: excellent <laughs> talking to you, talking about Start Network. There's so much we haven't covered. So, my advice everybody is buy the book. Um, and I may well have you back again um, with some other people because I'm thinking of, I'm planning nice. out a kind of bit of a round table podcast discussion. Um, and so if I do do that, then you're I'd love that. That sounds great. Thank you so much. I really table.
1: enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: Excellent. Well, I've enjoyed having you. So thank you very much. Um, Organisations get out there 15th of May, of May. Of for May. your National Day for Staff Networks. Celebrate. Top, sorry, 12th of May. I've written it down cor- incorrectly. 12th of May. Second Wednesday in, ev- in every May. So this year, fifth year, make it a special one. Sharon Inkotaria MBE, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to that great conversation with Sharon Inkotaria. For more information on staff networks, please go to the powerofstaffnetworks.co.uk. That's all one word, the power of staff networks. .co.uk. And for more information on the National Day for Staff Networks, go to nationaldayforstaffnetworks.co.uk. As always, it's been a great pleasure speaking with my guests. I look forward to welcoming you all next time when we'll be discussing more things diversity and inclusion. Please join me then, and let's talk.